Welcome to the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am your host, Michelle Berman-Michael, and my mission with this podcast is simple, to help realtors and loan officers across the world tap into the value Instagram can have for them and their business. To me, organic business that comes to us is the name of the game. On this show, you're going to hear from myself, other experts across social media, and also others that are just like you selling real estate and doing loans and doing it at a high level on social media. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Coffee and Questions podcast. I feel like I'm sitting in a chair that I don't deserve to be sitting in looking at an incredible human, none other than Todd Duncan. I am so incredibly blessed to have this opportunity to interview you, Todd. And um, we have to thank the one and only Phil Treadwell for making the introduction, but I do want to go ahead and introduce you briefly. And then I'm going to kind of let you put your spin on all of that because I think it's better from you. But for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with Todd and you're in my audience, he is the number one authority on sales mastery. Like this guy knows everything and anything there is to do with sales and trust. Um, that's invent or kind of ingrained into that process. He's built successful real estate and mortgage businesses way before then committing his life to doing the same for others. He's the author of 17 books. He's been um, on the New York Times bestselling list multiple times. Um, and he is just an absolute rock star with all things trust. Uh, high trust selling, I think is a good topic and we'll get into that. But Todd, thank you for being here. Thank you for really being willing to share this time with me. And if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about you, your background, how you became who you are, uh, and then we'll kick this off. Uh, thank you for having me on, Michelle. It's great to be with you and great to be with your audience. And uh, thanks for the chance just to connect. I, uh, I wake up every day and <clears throat> kind of ask myself, who's next and who do I get to impact today? And who's going to show up at the right time in the right place so that that impact happens? And it's, uh, it's an exhilarating career to know that you have a recipe, a formula to help people win. The backstory is I graduated from college. I had no idea that I would become a mortgage professional. And um, I got into the mortgage business the summer after I graduated. Uh, it was the worst economy since the Great Depression and today uh today's economy and uh you know i had to have a positive attitude because everybody thought the sky was falling and you know interest rates were 20 21 percent you know government loans 16 17 percent three or four points i mean the sky was falling everybody had a bad attitude nobody's gonna buy nobody's gonna sell blah 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 and thankfully my grandmother taught me very young in my life that i should always have a positive attitude so i had a, a really cool button made up when i was calling on realtors and builders and the button said, rumor has it, we're in a recession. I'm not participating. And I just connected with agents and builders and, and even borrowers that didn't know whether or not they, they should or they shouldn't. And when you take something that globally feels negative and in your niche, in your market, you turn it into something positive, then you have far less competition. You have far less friction. And it's a great opportunity in tough markets to differentiate. And so I did that. And for 12 years, um, we built the business, started in 80, went all the way to 92. Um, we helped just shy of 6,000 homeowners buy real estate. Uh, I had 13 realtors that I did that business with. And I made a decision when I was 23, brand new out of the blocks. And this is something I want everybody in your tribe to understand. I made a decision that I think changed the course of my life forever. And it was because of a mentor of mine simply asked, what do you want to pursue, transactions or relationships? 
And I was really, I was kind of stupefied. I mean, don't they both mean the same thing? You know, doesn't one mean the other? And he goes, not really. You can pursue transactions and make a living, but you can pursue relationships and make a fortune. And so I chose relationships and it made all the difference in the world. And that's why I could uh, fund almost 6,000 loans with 13 realtors because we had deep, deep, deep high trust relationships and conversion was off the grid. You know, buyers came into the deal and not shopping, not trying to talk to 10 lenders. It was lock and load, lock and load, lock and load, lock and load. Halfway through that, my company said, would you start training the other LOs? And I kept my business going. And I, you know, every quarter I, I trained, I don't know, 10 people. And I really got fulfilled from that. And so I made a, just a career decision at the age of uh, 30, 34. Um, and it was like, okay, I've made a lot of money in the real estate business. What do I want to do next? So I chose, I'm going to start a company to help loan originators and real estate agents win. And 30 years later, we're still doing it. Oh my gosh, what an incredible story. And I had to take and like literally had to write that sentence you said down because that was so fire of yeah. what do you want to pursue transactions or relationships? So like, I feel like I need to put this on my whiteboard behind, not behind me, but over there yeah. and just like live by that because it's something that I live every day in my life. And sometimes it's, it's easy to, to know that that's how you live, but then to hear somebody yeah. quantify it and actually make it make sense to you. Uh, it's so incredibly powerful and hearing you say that it just makes me want to like keep doing what I'm doing, you know, and keep pouring into people that way. Um, and so one of the things that I want to talk about here with this is you are incredible at building relationships. No, no question about that. And social media, as we know, is kind of like what the world is that we live in right now. There's really no way to get away from that. Uh, there's really no way to avoid it. If you ask me at this point. Um, and one of the things that a lot of lenders and a lot of real estate agents nowadays are leaning into is Instagram, because Instagram is a place where they can genuinely build relationships. So I would love to hear from your perspective, trust. Like if we talk about trust, right, how can someone post on social media without ruining their professional approach, right? Because I think that that's a big problem that a lot of people have. They feel like they have to be super professional all the time because it takes away from their authority or it takes away from how you know good they are or what they do if they don't. So I'm just curious what your take would be on, on that. And then I think we'll just keep going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I think, I think social media is an effective tool if you understand uh, what to do and how to do it and when to do it and, and why to do it. Right. So if, before I, before I, you know, jump in exactly to whatever platform, you know, you guys use. Uh, Instagram obviously is one of the big ones. There's a sales philosophy that has a lot to do with why social would work or not work. And the sales philosophy is to create trust and to create connection. You have to turn down the promotion and turn up the emotion. So that's one of the, the main tenets of Hydro selling is it's not about you. It's not about promoting you. It's about connecting with people. <clears throat> At the end of the day, if you don't connect, whatever your platform, face-to-face, -face, Instagram, LinkedIn, it doesn't matter. If you don't connect, you're not going to get followed. And if you don't, if you don't stay in touch, you're going to lose the momentum. And if you don't leverage relationships that you have by celebrating, 
victories that you create and milestones that people go through, then you miss the mojo of what social is all about. <clears throat> so I think that social connection is about, um, it's taking the spotlight off of you and it's putting it on the, the tribe, whatever your followership is. You wanna, you wanna impact them. You wanna help them win. You wanna give them social proof on how safe it is to be your follower and to be connected. And you could do that with client testimonials all day long, client videos, if you wanna post client videos. Um, but I think it, we, we gotta keep it a little less, I don't know what word to bring up right now, but a little less cheesy and a little bit more valuable. And I think that's the, the missing link a lot in social. I always try to post um, something that is that is highly motivating, that engages the, the follower to go out and do something. Um, I always share one personal story a week of something that I'm going through. Um, I, I, I post five stories a day on Instagram and they can be short, they can be sweet, they can be a picture, they can be a thought, <clears throat> whatever that is, five a day. People love going through stories and just seeing kind of what's happening and, and whatnot. Um, I do one leadership post a week and I do that on Instagram and LinkedIn and I shake it up a little bit. Like one of the, one of the posts I did four weeks ago, it, I don't even look for these things. And I think that's the other thing is <clears throat> what's happening that you could turn into a share, a lesson, right? So I go, I go to the, uh, out the back door of our office and I'm throwing some trash away and in the trash can is a sign that's, I don't know, two feet by a foot. And it says, a great love story never ends. And it was in the trash can, the dumpster. So I'm thinking if somebody threw away a piece of art that said a good love story never ends, there's a good chance that love story ended. And so I just yeah. said, why do, why do love stories run into trouble? Why do marriages run into trouble why do and all i did was share five things that my wife and i do routinely to keep our marriage solid and i got 3700 views in a day and it was just it was just i didn't even go looking for it and so some of the spontaneity required for social can be very, very, very powerful. <clears throat> and then I spend three blocks of 15 minutes a day replying. That's it. Three blocks. So 15 minutes I got to say this. I got to say this because you're blowing my mind right now for multiple reasons. But first and foremost, there are so many people out there who say that they are too busy to do five stories per day, that they are too busy to reply to the comments that get left on their content that they're too busy to send DM messages to people and, and be the ones to reply. And this is a, a direction that I, I, I would love your insight on because one of the things that I say to every person, and it's actually, in my opinion, been really, really beneficial to my career is if you send me a DM on Instagram, like it's me that responds to it. And people can tell that. And I have gotten I can't even count how many times where I've been on the phone with people and they're like, I can't believe I actually get to talk to you. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, right. of course you get to talk to me. Like it doesn't even make sense that it wouldn't be me. And you just said, despite all of the things that you have going on and how incredibly busy you are, that you're the person that responds to your messages. You're the person that posts five stories per day. 
you're the person that leaves comments and replies to people and you time block 15 minutes a day, three times to be the person to do that. So for anybody that's listening and saying, well, man, I'm, I'm too, I'm too busy for that. You just heard it from somebody who's guaranteed busier than any of us combined and he's doing it. So no yeah. excuses is all I have to say to that. Um, but what would you and, say? And the to other thing is, don't, thing? I, yeah. I'm sure you have a lot to add there. Well, I just don't, I don't want anybody to think that you don't have to be perfect on social, but you do have to be engaged. And, um, and you have to understand that, that the purpose of social is connection. And what social does is it keeps humanity in the business, right? And we got all this cool technology. We've got, you know, all of this, this software that can, you know, and apps that can help people apply for a loan and, you know, give you all the data and do all the uploads and everything, but still there needs to be human connection. Anytime a transaction is over five or $10,000, there has to be human connection. And social is one of the greatest ways for you to produce social connection. Um, and, and the other thing I want to say is if you're DMing people, um, remember too, that you're going to get DM'd and you, you have to reply. You, you have to reply because if you, if you don't reply to somebody, then each time that happens, they're less likely to be engaged with you. And so all you have to do is go down 15 minutes. You can hit like, you can, you know, do a quick comment. You can go, thanks for the, you know, whatever you want to do, but you're active and they feel that because you're active, that they are closer to you than maybe they actually are. And that's the, that's the goal here. The goal is to create transparent connection where people feel lucky to be following you and vice versa. Um, I have a story real quick too, and this is, this is so important. I DM'd a very, very, very big influencer in, in social with a specific purpose of hiring this person for my sales mastery event this October. <clears throat> I know what his fee is. And for whatever reason, nobody has, has, has responded. Nobody. Oh my gosh. You know? And, and you, and you sit here and so this, this person is not doing what I'm doing 15 minutes a day, three times a day. Cause if he was, then he would have called me because then he could probably make $50,000 because all I did was DM him. And it's just like, whoop. So there's so much money to harvest out of the social relationships you create. And yet that's not your purpose. Your purpose is value. Your purpose is humanness. Your purpose is real. And then that adds up to the money. And, and, and that's what starts happening. So it's pretty crazy. It's so it's true. It's not so, as hard as people think. Yeah. No, it's so true. And I'm yeah. mind blown that, that that happened. Like if, if I saw a DM from you and said, Hey, would you cut like, I mean it, duh. Right. And yeah, who right. would, <clears throat> I think it's hard for me as someone who, who teaches this and coaches this and really tries to pour into people every single day to get them to understand the power of this, unless something happens like that. Right. And then you experience it and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, that's why I need to be more active. Um, and I was on a call yesterday with a client who actually missed a lead in her DMs. So she is a course student of mine now, but she opened her DMs because she didn't even know that there was like a little unread tab 
like yeah. unread messages that show up in blue. Um, and I was like, Shannon, you got to check that stuff. She goes, what do you mean? I didn't even know it was there. And so she clicks on it and she's got a whole bunch of messages there. Granted, some of them are spam, but she actually had somebody who had reached out and said, Hey, I saw a listing you just put up and I would love to go see that house. My husband and I are moving to the area. We've had the hardest time finding a house. Um, I'm honestly in a position where I could very likely buy this site on scene. Shannon never saw the message. She never obviously didn't gain that market share or get that lead um, because she wasn't there. Right. Um, and I think that what you talked about is creating a virtual, I call it a virtual handshake through our content, right? If someone feels that compelled, if you will, to send me a message or to send somebody a message like that, and then doesn't get a response back, I think it really can tarnish the perception of, of like what I would think of that individual, right? So like if I sent you a message and you never even opened it and never responded, or if you did, and it was like one of those auto reply messages, and then that was it. My perception of who Todd Duncan is, is not going to be what it actually is and what it should be, right? right? Because of who you actually are. Um, I do want to say that you did respond to one of my messages like months ago when, when we were chatting about something you had posted. So it just goes to show that there's so much in that and there's so much power there. Um, um, and that guy is a dummy if you ask me, cause he, he missed a huge opportunity <laughs> for sure. You know, and, and I think sometimes there's an, there's an interesting bridge <clears throat> that comes out of this conversation and the bridge is another sales philosophy, right? And whether it's social or not, when we get referrals, um, and, and by the way, when you, when you choose relationships over transactions, super important point to hear, you will get referrals. If you choose relationships, you will get leads if you choose transactions. And the difference between the two is referrals convert at about three times minimally what leads convert at, right? So if you want faster sales cycles, <clears throat> if you want faster trust and you want people to say yes more quickly, the relationship piece works. Now, what's the philosophy? The philosophy is if I, if I have a relationship, then I gotta, kick, I gotta stay in touch with the relationship. And one of the things we tell people is if you don't follow up, they won't follow through. And so, Michelle, to your point, if you don't respond to people, you are guilty of one of the most poverty-focused ideas on the planet. I'm not going to follow up. I'm not going to follow up. 100% of the people I asked in Dallas two days ago, before I even share anything with you guys, how many of you know right now you could be better at follow-up? And every hand of the room went up. So the same holds true on social. You stop following up pretty soon. Your social dies. <laughs> yeah, that's it's so true. And and I say like the way I say it is like follow up until you get a no, right? Like follow up until that person straight up says back to you like no. Um, and a great example uh, of all of this is my relationship with Phil, right? Like how did I even get connected right. to you, Todd? Right? Is I built a relationship <laughs> with Phil for no no gain, right? I, I didn't actually go into it with the expectation of getting anything out of it other than being connected to somebody who ran a really, really killer podcast at the time. Right. Um, right. And the, the one thing that I've discovered over my career is that expectation is the root of all suffering, right? So if you go into a conversation or if you go into a DM, like uh, anything that you're exchanging um, 
relation with, right? Or, or having a message exchange. If you go into it thinking, I want business out of this, then you very likely will not get any business out of it. If matter right. of fact, I do, I'd almost bet my, my career on that one, right? Um, because the reality is that if you go into it saying, I'm going to send 20 DMs and I know five of them are going to respond and one of those is going to turn into business, it's not going to happen. But if you go into it thinking, I'm going to create 20 new relationships right now with people who I just genuinely feel like I want to connect with, you'll get, as you mentioned, three times the response rate. And I've never heard it put the way that you just put it. And I love that. Um, and I do want to go into the trust aspect of this, unless there's something that you want to add specifically no, on that. But I think, go ahead, Todd. No, no, Sorry. you're good. Let's go there. I was just going to say like trust is so huge there. And I would love to know like one, how do you define trust? Cause I think that I I'm curious of what that means to you specifically. And I, I think it's, I think it'll be really cool to hear how you say that. Um, and then two, what would you say not to do in content to build trust? I think is a good, a good segue. Um, and I'm going to guess posting pictures in front of your Ferrari, not you, but uh, the real estate agents that want to post pictures in front of their Ferrari uh, on their Instagram because they had to rent it for a photo shoot to make themselves feel good is probably not a good way to build trust. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's important that everybody understands that in the business world we're in, there's always a fight between tension and trust. So if I'm a provider of something and there is a buyer of that something, if that buyer doesn't know me and I'm trying to have that buyer purchase whatever it is, and I start to quote sell, the tension will push out all the trust. And when you have a high tension conversation, um, people resist you, they offer objections, um, they shorten meeting times, all that kind of stuff, right? So in the old days, it was like calling a bunch of realtors and if they say no, call them again. And if they say no, call them again. If they say no, call them again. Well, that doesn't work because most people don't change the value proposition between the first call and the second call and the second call and the third call. They just believe that everybody else is going to give up. So if I keep going, I'm going to get it. That couldn't be, that couldn't be more flawed, right? So if I want to, if I want to impact people, then I, I've got to build trust to push out tension. So trust is two people who believe that each of them coming together can create more than standing separate and apart in the business world. So if a real, if a real estate agent says yes to me, <clears throat> it's not because of something I've pitched or not because of something that I you know kind of put out there. It's because there's a mutuality, there's a chemistry, there is a, um, there's a connection. And if we don't have that, we have nothing. So I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think, um, I think that, I think that people need to understand if I, I need to be able to create trust fast. Okay. Um, what's the fastest way to have trust? It's Phil Treadwell talking to Michelle and saying, I'm going to connect you with Todd. There's not any interpretation between Michelle and myself. Do we have each other's back? 
You know, um, am I going to get taken advantage of on this podcast? Or is she going to want something that I'm not prepared to give? Or am I going to want something that she may not be, has nothing to do with that. We trust somebody who says, you guys should do something together. So just think about that. So now every borrower you do a loan for, for the rest of your life, should be the borrower that opens the floodgates for you to another group of 10 or 15 or 20 or 100 buyers, whatever. But if I, if I don't create a high value, trust rich customer experience, then I don't have that person engaged and trust is broken. <clears throat> and I tell people, you know, trust is the most important thing to gain. It's the easiest to lose. And it's the one thing we've got to hold on to. Because when trust is there, you have everything, everything. I mean, people say yes faster. People don't negotiate as hard. People refer you more, more uh, regularly. People are excited, become your friends. They, they introduce you to other influencers. That's what I trust is. But if I don't know what the borrower's deep uh, emotional connection needs are, how am I gonna blow their mind? So trust is asking, questions that create a super glue emotional experience and that person stays with you forever so we have a book it's uh high trust selling for <clears throat> 14 laws um each of the laws is is powerful it's in its 20th year there's not a business most business books don't last past two or three years if they're good this book is 20 years old and it's still getting printed and still getting sold because the laws work. And if you follow the laws, success follows you. And one of these laws is stop selling, start helping, stop talking, start listening, follow up, follow up, add value, follow up, follow up. It's powerful. Totally. And then do it at scale. Yeah. Absolutely. And you just brought up exactly where I was going with that is doing it at scale, I believe is what social does for us, right? So it becomes a, I'm only one individual, I can only have so many phone conversations every single day. So how can I scale that um, to make it so that more and more people can, can be touched by what we have to offer. Um, and one of the things I want to ask you, because I'm super curious, is what would be an example of content that you would say would, because you said trust was the easiest thing to break. It's the hardest thing to gain and grow, right? But it's the easiest thing to break. So how, unpack that for me when, when you're talking specifically to people who are building social content just for sake of, uh, you know, for what we do here with my company, right? We teach people how we teach real estate agents and law officers how to generate organic business off of Instagram so that leads come to them instead of them having to go fish for them. Um, and the idea behind it is the premise of the framework being the three C's, create connection, develop conversation, out of the conversation comes conversion. But there's a lot of ways that you can produce content that will diminish greatly your opportunity for building trust, creating connection, having conversation. So um, unpack that side of it if you could for me and for the audience. Yeah, <clears throat> I think um, that's, a, that's a, it's a big question. Um, I, I think that you've got you've to really look at um, attraction. You have to look at that concept and you have to ask yourself, um, 
are you impacted by what you're about ready to post, right? Um, if you're going to create content and you're going to um, have a relationship between that content and connection, then that content has to be real. It has to be um, non-positional, uh, which is, is to the point of the Ferrari or this, that, or the other thing. Um, it can't be braggadocious. It can't be, wow, look at me. It's not about that. It's about looking at the content. And when you write the content, um, will people be impacted by it? And that's the, that's the question that has to be asked because if we really understand productivity and we really understand the 80-20 rule, um, then what we have to understand is about 80% of what we post does not have the value it should have. Because if only 20% has the value that we should have, then that means eight times out of 10, the stuff we're posting does not have attraction to it. It has the opposite. It has polarity. So you're better off posting less, more consistently, that is more valuable in the scheme of life and business. But you've got to be impacted by your own post. Like, like I mean, I'm an author. I've written 17 books. I'm writing a book right now. And you know, you, 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 I always have to be reminded of this. Like if there's, if I take a hundred words to make a point, could I make that point in 20 words? Is there a way to, is there a way to really get into just careful, intentional, like I'm going to put this thing out and I'm going to read it four or five times before I even take it to next. Right. Cause I don't want, I don't want to send anything that isn't impactful. And then when you look at real stories, I love sharing other people's stories of impact. Um, I love looking, you know, looking on my, my feeds and finding something else about somebody's life who's changed and, you know, reposting that or resharing that. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, it's like I used to tell loan officers before digital arrived is, would you respond to your own marketing? And it was really interesting because there's a lot of marketing that goes out that doesn't have any value. And it's even more, more, more worrisome today that you don't do this. I mean, the statistics that we have on something as simple as automation marketing, right? And, and how people that produce content that have automation engines and they just push the content out, <clears throat> the disparity between how much they think their content is valuable and what the consumer says about it is like, they think it's like 82% it's valuable. The consumer says, no, 17%. Nobody gets a plaque for sending out is more posts than anybody. You're going to always do better if you do less that is more engaging, 100%. And people will trust you more. Yeah, and I think that's where, where stories come in, in my opinion, especially with Instagram and for me, stories is a place where I really feel like you can open up, right? You can really just be wholeheartedly authentic to who you are every single day. And one of my favorite things is coffee art. I'm a coffee art addict. I think it's the coolest thing. I have no idea how they do it. And even though I've watched them do it a million times, I still don't get it. 
And I'm just like, I love and will drive however far I need to, to go get a beautiful cup of coffee. And I, my husband <laughs>, laughs at me all the time. But if we ever go, if we ever go to a new city, I always want to find the local cute coffee shop so I can go buy right. coffee. Right. coffee. Um, and I now live in the world's smallest military town and the nearest coffee shop is 45 minutes away. Um, or Starbucks, if I want to drive on base, which is 17 miles away. Uh, so we don't have a lot of that here. And so I all of a sudden <laughs> appreciate it even more than I ever used to. Um, but there's something that there's something so incredibly powerful about sharing that story and sharing just those weird idiosyncrasies that make us us. Um, and one thing that I, I discovered in this trust process, um, because I think I, I thought I was really good at building trust. And then when I discovered that I actually was, it wasn't until after I was willing to start sharing things that were uncomfortable to share. Right. So right. Uh, I moved across the country with my son. He was two weeks old. My husband had just been offered a position to be a strength and conditioning coach for the military. So we had to move. And my, my husband got the job when I was 37 weeks pregnant. So we knew we were going to have to move. And I had to move with a newborn to a new city with no friends, no family, no house. So we had to buy a house site on scene um, off the Internet, quite literally in the time when. Yep. Like in this city that we live in, I think the total number of listings that were on the market was 17, which is like ridiculous. Wow. Um, and so I, I figured that the best thing I could possibly do in that transition was tell the story of what was happening, right? Because my audience was, uh, everybody was connected to my pregnancy. I'd been very good at sharing um, the ups and the downs of all of that, uh, consistent. But when I started sharing that journey, the amount of relationships that I built and the amount of conversations that I had that literally lit my fire up. Like I was so passionate about these conversations. That's when I started to really realize that what people really crave is connection, right? People really crave emotional <clears throat> me too moments. Um, and the calls that I was having, the DM conversations I was having after being able to say all of what was happening and going through postpartum depression and all of those things they're so powerful if you're willing to do that. Um, and inadvertently what comes out of that is obviously great relationships and great connections that lead to great referrals and other things. Um, but I discovered that being okay, sharing vulnerability and using stories to, to our advantage is how we really can do that. There's, um, there's power in vulnerability. Um, the more authentic somebody can be, and the more vulnerable they're prepared to be, the more attractive they become in the marketplace. And the motive isn't, let me figure out how to get vulnerable and authentic so I can be more attractive in the marketplace. The goal is that's the essence of human connection. Because like, uh, and I'll give everybody really, uh, I'll try to do this really quickly. Um, I've owned this company for 30 years and for 30 years, we've been impacting lives around the world, right? Um, two years ago when we pivoted and had our live uh, sales mastery stream event, we had 44,000 people around the world attend our event. And it's important to understand that people want to feel that who they are listening to or watching is the same as they are. 
And when you look at owning a success company, I mean, that's what we are, right? We're a company that helps people achieve higher levels of intentional success and fall in love with their life. <clears throat> I had a massive, massive mistake that I made as a business owner. And the mistake cost me about 90% of my net worth in 10 years of my life, because that's how long it took to recover. And oh I really, I really struggled because it was like, I've been teaching people how to be successful. And I went out and, and did something I thought was right. And, and I, and I made a mistake about how I did it. Not that I shouldn't have done it, but how I did it. And if I had done one thing differently, then this thing might've worked, right? Buying a big company with my company would have probably worked. And I'm scratching my head trying to think, how am I going to ever get through this, you know, emotionally and intellectually and, and psychologically and all of this. And, and one day, um, guys from Success Magazine called and they had heard about my story of failure. And they asked me if Darren Hardy could interview me and produce the interview on, on my failure story. And I'm thinking, really? I, I mean, I'm, I'm a success coach. Well, of course I should share that because success and failure are like brothers and sisters. They're, they're part of the same family. You can't, you can't have one without the other. And so I decided to get massively vulnerable and just pour my heart out on, listen, we all make mistakes. Mine just happened to cost me almost everything. And my mistake culminated with the loss of my wife from breast cancer. And it was like, wow. And when I share these, this story with people, and it gets emotional and it gets real. People understand that I'm no different than them. We all will have a challenge today and we'll have another challenge tomorrow. And maybe it's 10. And the goal in life is to, to be approachable. And the goal in life is to not feel you have to have it all figured out. The goal in life is to cherish progress and ignore perfection. That's the goal. You're never going to be perfect. So let's stop trying to do things perfectly. Even, you know, I'm a private pilot, even landing an airplane. There are some landings that aren't perfect and there's a few that feel closer to perfect, but not, not one of them couldn't be done better, even though they're done good, right? So I think the authenticity piece is, is monstrous. And in social, it is, it is a superpower. It's an absolute superpower if you can be authentic and transparent. Yeah. What yeah. would you what would you say to the person? Because I know you probably hear this a ton. The person who says that they don't feel comfortable sharing things about themselves because they don't want people to judge them. Right. I think this is a this is a conversation that needs to be had. And it's it scary to think about that people feel that. And let me back up and say something super we're, uh, while we're being vulnerable, right? So Facebook ads has been something that has scared the crap out of me for years, right? Being in business for eight years, I was like, okay, I, I feel like I finally have the capital to, if I, if I lost everything I put into it, my business is not going to go away, right? So let's do this. Well, I got to tell you, I started getting so many hate messages that it was really, really hard to read. Right. And what I meant, what I mean by hate messages is I have lashes. Right. So like I, I, that girl, I love going and getting my lashes done. Right. And I have a lot of girlfriends that hey, everybody loves them. 
but I started getting message after message after message from people saying that I look like a spider saying like, what is on your face? Um, I can't believe you actually are a coach who would hire you all kinds of just crap. Right. And it really makes you sit back in your chair and wonder like, where do people get off talking about or talking about people like that? Um, especially, you know, people that don't know individuals. And I tell this story and I want people to hear it because the reality is that no matter how good we are at what we do, no matter how vulnerable we get, no matter how um, not vulnerable we get, right? Whether we choose to stay professional 100% of the time, people are going to judge you because that's what people want to do because they like being negative. Um, but what would you tell the person who says, I don't want to even post anything about any of my life other than my listings or talking about VA loans on social media, because I don't want any room for people to judge me. Well, I would, I would tell them, I think that's a wrong move. And, um, and I would tell them my experience has been most of the people that respond that way have deeper issues that I'm never going to be able to be, um, effective in even dealing with, let alone knowing it. Right. And so, when you get those kinds of things, it's, it's, uh, it's ditch delete, you know, it's like, it's a mindset moment. I heard something early as a loan officer <clears throat> and it was from Jim Rohn. And, and the, the, the thing that he said is there's enough people who will do business the way you want to do business to not worry about those who won't. And this is not a likability contest. You know, it's, it's, it's really a relationship opportunity. And when people say bad things, they're usually unsettled themselves. So I immediately discount it. And I even reframe and like, I'm so sorry that person is hurting. Or I'm so sorry that person feels that they need to take a swing at me. You know, and I, and I get it. I mean, I get it too. But there's nothing worse than letting it define you. Because you are not those comments. Just like you're not that failure. You're, you're, you don't let failure define you. You don't let other people's unsettled and, and biased opinions of you take you off your, your track and your course. You know, you get rid of them. You get rid of people and you don't, you don't engage with people that you don't like. And if people are, uh, you know, if people are trying to do business with you and they're a pain in the ass, then it's like, I love you, but we're not doing business together anymore. I'm sorry, but I don't have enough room in my life and my business to serve you the way you'd like to be served. I'm not making him bad and wrong or her bad and wrong. I'm just saying, I don't have enough time in my business to serve you the way you'd like to be served. Find somebody who can. The, the most beautiful thing about what I just said is the positive stuff always will outweigh the negative stuff. If you as a human being are practicing collaboration and connection and emotional human human face-to-face -face relationship, and then you just ditch the people that have an attitude. They're not fun to be with, yeah. they're high drama. Yeah. And no, and no matter what you do, they're always gonna find fault. So that's just how they're wired. So that's an easy one for me. Bye. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't have time to unfollow deal with the negative because i got too many good things going on you know um and yeah i think i think that that's something that's really infiltrating the industry right now both on the mortgage and the real estate side is people who are just petrified of exposing who they actually are 
And I, I actually got to chat with a, a gentleman named Roland Cochran the other day. And, and I'm not sure if you're, if you're familiar with Roland or not, but uh, Roland and I had a really, really cool conversation about how the people who are the most successful in the world, like they're not doing anything differently than all of the people who aren't successful, other than the fact that they know who they are to their absolute core, right? So they take the time to be patient and to show up and, or to wait to show up until they know this is who I truly am and nobody can take me off my rocker ever, right? Despite the fact that, you know, somebody may throw shame at the screen or, or leave a, a crappy comment. Um, yeah. And some something about that just seems so pertinent to like what we're talking about right now, because I think that that's, that's where people need to get, get dialed into like who you really actually are. Trust wholeheartedly that you know that you are good at what you do and that you are a good person and let the haters be the haters. Because frankly, as you said, Todd, the people who are the haters are the ones that have other issues they probably need to go deal with so that they can ultimately be successful. Um, but throwing shade comments is certainly not going to get them there. Well, they, they have self-hate, you know, and, and people do. People look in the mirror and they don't have love for themselves, you know, and, and they feel shame. And so what's the best thing when you feel shame to help you feel less shame? You know, take it off you and put on somebody else. And then that's not sustainable. That doesn't work. So, yeah, life's too short. That's my... That's my thought there. Life's too short to do business with people you don't like, period. Done. <laughs> Extra exclamation point. We're taking the period Boom. out. We're putting in an exclamation point. <laughs> Drop well, <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't love this anymore. And I wish we could talk for another hour. And I'm sure that many, many people would love to hear you continue to pour into them. But I do want to be a good steward of your time. And, and uh, I am incredibly grateful for the opportunity to chat with you. I look forward to being able to do it again uh, in more ways than one. And uh, Todd, I just want to say to you, um, you're amazing. And there's people out there who I know who have never even spoken to you that know that you're amazing. Um, and we continue to look towards you and to you as guides for our careers and for things that we're doing in our lives. Um, but I would love it if you would share with my audience, how can we get connected with you? What's coming up for you? Where, uh, If we wanted to get dialed into that, we could. Um, and I think everybody would certainly appreciate the opportunity to do so. Yeah, thanks. So um, uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is toddduncan.com. And um, we have two gifts for uh, you to download that will help you right now, whether you're an agent or a loan officer in the tumultuous market that we find ourselves in. Uh, you can download the high trust interview, which is a 12 page white paper for realtors and lenders on how to create massive trust in the markets we find ourselves in today. There's also a brand new white paper, <clears throat> 16 pages called Talk Less, Sell More. Download both of those and just take it, just drink it in and, and your life will be transformed because everything we talked about, Michelle, for this hour um, is the construct of how to do that in the marketplace is contained within these two papers. So do that. And then um, we have our 30th year anniversary this year for Sales Mastery out in Palm oh Desert. Um, we've been doing this since 1992. Uh, this year is going to be a barn burner. There's not very many brands that, that have an event that they have hosted every year for 30 years. And so we're going to go after it and just uh, take a look at the event page on the website and you can sign up for Sales Mastery. And uh, there's some pretty cool discounts, but 
you know, beyond that, my social handle is Todd Duncan official. I love it. And did you say Palm Desert? Yes. My yes, parents live in Palm Desert. They live in Sunset really? West Palm Desert. Uh, that that tells me you should be there. I was just thinking, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I might have to have a conversation with you offline on this one. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's amazing. And I think anyone and everyone needs to be at this thing, uh, no matter what. But Todd, thank you so Thanks. much for everything that you You're do, welcome. for everything that you do for those of us who are also in the industry alongside you. Uh, you make us want to be better and you certainly make me want to be better. So thank you for your time. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow my guests on social media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you consume this content.